lifted some stones, saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul. I stopped outside a church house where the citizens like to sit. They say they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it. Yeah, I went with nothing, nothing but the thought of you. I went wandering. Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, this is Heart of the Matter from Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. If you want your friends or family to watch Heart of the Matter live streaming video, have them go to www.bornagainmormon.com and they can just find out on that site how to do it. Click some buttons and pretty soon you'll have a TV pop up and you'll be able to, or they'll be able to watch the show anywhere in the world. In-house guests tonight are huge list. So let's go through it. We have Linda Morgan, Susan Hunter, Kathy Gardner, Jerry Adams, Ken Crandall, Eileen Crandall, Lori Hadley, Carol Kohler, Dave Kohler, Kevin Bradford, Gordon B., Tammy Jackson, Stacy Lurch, Mike, <laughs> Mike, Don Hollingshead, Reed, Jake, Enoch, Jeannie, Ryan, Arthur, Trevor, Zachary, Datsun, Dutson or Datson, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Nancy Smith, hyphenated Barham, I think. And George and Jim, we welcome all of you tonight. It's like, uh, it's a great thing to look out of the sea as beautiful faces and have people who are behind the ministry. We thank you for coming out. Shout outs to Corey the Awesome Hunter, who went and killed a javelina pig in the desert, made this fiery hot stew gave me, almost killed me, but it was excellent, and I want to thank you for it. Our deepest thanks to Karen B., David N., and family, Lori and Gary, Denny and M., Nance, Cindy and Alvin, and Ina C., Dave and Carol K. from Salt Lake City. Keep going, my brother. All my family, believers, unbelievers, Mormons, Christians, I love each of you with all my heart. S.B. Cook for your insights, Todd McGowan from The Hive, Veronica Heimer from Tooele, Giant Killers Inc. and their outstanding support, Gordon and Chris, followers of The Way, hello you guys, J.D. Turner, Joseph for his quotes by Crane and Kimball on war, Lou B., thank you for your awesome summary of Born Again Mormon, Dr. A. True Ott, great insights, my friend, Zan, keep going, sister. I also want to give a hearty shout out to all the people who are attending Lord's Word at Gateway on Sunday mornings or at the University of Utah on Sunday evenings. Get a pen and paper or a pencil and paper ready for tonight's show if you would. If you like live outstanding music uh, in a relaxing environment, check out the Tea Grotto and Sugar House Friday nights from 7 to 9. These are uh, jazz musicians, accomplished musicians who raise funds for underprivileged children who don't have the money to buy instruments on their own. And uh, you can go there and not contribute, just enjoy the music or help them out, whatever you want to do, but it's an open free concert every Friday night. The Tritones at the Tea Grotto in Sugar House Friday nights. 
Hey, women, young and old, let me tell you about a ministry that's very special you need to know about. It's called Hope Ranch Ministries. The H in hope stands for horses. And what they do is uh, they have a Bible study, and they also do horse riding, and they have camps for kids who don't know the Lord. And you study the Bible, you ride horses, it's out on a beautiful ranch. If you have questions and want to find out more about that, look at the screen. You can call Terry McQuiston at 801-597-8609. And uh, well worth it. Born Again Mormon moving toward Christian authenticity. Uh, it will help you understand the importance of being born again as a Latter-day Saint. It describes rebirth relative to Mormonism and makes a comparative between Mormonism and Christianity. It's not an attack on Mormonism. It's nothing like the show, if you've watched the show. It just helps you understand things relative to Christianity. It's available at Christian Gift and Bible in Sandy and Draper, Benchmark Books in Salt Lake City, Oasis Books, Oasis Books in Logan, Calvary Chapel Salt Lake City Bookstore, Christ Evangelical Bookstore Seeds in Orem, Gift of Grace Christian Supply, and online at www.bornagainmormon.com. Several weeks ago, we had a caller uh, call and ask about the white horse prophecy. And on the air, I said, I don't believe that Joseph Smith ever made this prophecy. And I was absolutely wrong. Um, and I had a number of you faithful people give me what the references were. And then I had Marlene at Utah Lighthouse Ministries, utlm.org, send me a link to their website and give me a 15-page research article by Sandra Tanner on the White Horse Prophecy. What it is, there is a story that goes around in the church that Joseph Smith said that the Constitution would hang by a thread and the elders of the church would step in and save the U.S. Constitution. Well, since Orrin Hatch and Mitt Romney have become prominent in the political scene since the late 90s and today, the church has tried to downplay this, and they frankly are lying. And um, that's, you know, I guess that's, that's harsh to hear, but it's true. Go to utlm.org. You'll see not only how I was wrong, but you'll get the facts. It's a great place to get the facts and check that out. Now, why would they lie? Well, I think it would be very frightening for people outside of Mormonism to hear that the Mormons believed from Joseph Smith on today in most priesthood quorums that the U.S. Constitution is going to hang by a thread and the Mormon church is going to step in and save it. And they do believe that. They are politically oriented. They seek for power in political positions. And this doesn't just happened with Ezra Taft Benson and Mitt Romney and what's going on. It goes all the way back to the early part of church history with Joseph Smith riding around, running for president, putting on uniforms, and wanting political power within the United States. I think that one of the most terrifying things about this quote-unquote prophecy is that it could be true. I'm not saying that Joseph Smith was a prophet, but from some source he could have predicted this. The LDS Church would be very organized and, and, and run uh, some great things through the government of the, and help the U.S. Constitution. But there would also be great control and manipulation, a Fourth Reich, if you will, with Mormonism seeping into the very fabric of our national bedding. And it would be ugly. And the LDS Church doesn't want anyone else to know that they truly believe this is the case. And so they're trying to say this was never a prophecy of Joseph Smith's. Again, go check out Sandra Tanner's site at utlm.org. 
Squatter's Pub tonight, if you want to come, it's a family restaurant that serves beer. That's why they call it a pub. It's not a bar, and we welcome anybody who wants to come on down. Squatter's Pub, I think the address is there on your screen. All right, lots of announcements after all that. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear God in heaven, we thank you for this airtime, for the opportunity to talk about you. We pray that your spirit will be in abundance throughout this state, in Idaho, places in Florida, wherever the show is airing, that people will come to know you apart from the religion that they uh, presently participate in if they haven't been reborn. We pray for our audience, for those who help us here, volunteers, and those who are channel surfing. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of you know that I host a weekly show called The Infallible Word. It airs on Monday and Friday nights, and we've been going verse by verse through the Gospel of John. Strange as this may sound, in my life, I'm not saying this is how it works in everybody's life, but in my life there seems to be sort of a, a synergistic zeitgeist, and that's a big long term for, it seems that God works in these ways in I'll be teaching John, and then I'll get an email from a Latter-day Saint asking me the very question that I happen to be teaching on, and then I'll also hear a song that will relate to that, and I might even see a movie sometime that relates to that very thing. And there's kind of this, this uh, warp and weft going on of the fabric of, of uh, topics, and I happen to meet somebody who's talk, talking about something, and it so happens that happens to come up in what we're talking about in the scriptures, and the, and the Lord works that that way through my life. Maybe not through yours, and maybe through yours he does the same thing. It's not a burning in the bosom or anything. It's just a layering of information that's, that sort of intersects. And um, some people call this kismet, and some people call it serendipity, but I call it God, and I believe that's how he works. I have of late received several questions from Latter-day Saints pertaining to a certain area, and it may be redundant for you to watch this or hear this, especially if you're a Christian. But these questions are intersecting with things that I'm teaching at the same time, and I, and I was very impressed to go into this topic tonight, even though it diverts a bit from our message of polygamy and what we've been talking about in church uh, history. These questions include, quote, besides the story of Jesus and Nicodemus, where else does it speak about being born again in the Bible? Also, how can I know I am born again? What is the process, if any, to spiritual rebirth? And can a Christian lose their salvation once they have it? These four questions have come up in conversation, emails, and phone calls over the past while. I want you to do me a favor tonight. I would like you to go and get a piece of paper and a writing utensil, preferably not a crayon, and, and uh, just sit there and take notes. Write down the references I give you and then go back and read them and check for yourself what they say. I'm going to give you, I'm going to break a rule and give you 10 seconds of, of airtime to do that. <laughs> I can't do this seriously. If you just tuned in, we're waiting for people to get a paper and pencil to write these down to check the scriptures for themselves. Have you got them? Okay. Let's just cover these questions one by one. First, besides the Gospel of John where Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, where else in the Bible does it speak of being born again? I'm going to give you some references, and I'm going to read them. The re first reference, Ezekiel 36:26 from the Old Testament. A new heart also I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. 
and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. Jeremiah 32, 39. And I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever for the good of them and of their children after them, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from them to do them good, to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Ezekiel 11:19, and I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give them another heart of flesh. I know that sounds like the first one. Psalms 51:10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Jeremiah 31:33 I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. In the new covenant, the New Testament, it reads in 1 Corinthians 15:10. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I but the grace of God which was within me. 1 Peter 1.23 Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. When it says the corruptible seed, it's talking about not of our parents' seed being born, but of incorruptible seed, talking about the spirit within us, which gives us new life. James 1.8, of his own will beget he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creations, of his creatures. We can't be a first fruit in God's eyes until we've been born again. If I was born third in my family, I can't be a first fruit. So it's referring to spiritual rebirth and me becoming the first fruit of God's. And that happens through rebirth. At the conclusion of our show, we always run a passage from John 12 and 13. First, John 1, 12 through 13, and it reads, But as many as received him, talking about Jesus, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, to become the sons of God even to them which believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In the LDS church, they sing a song that is very popular. It's called, I am a child of God. It says, I am a child of God, and he has sent me here has given me an earthly home with parents kind and dear. I always wondered about that when my dad would spank me on Sunday morning and then I'd have to sing that song about my parents being kind and dear, but anyway, that's a side issue. I think it should say something more like, I am a creature of God and I am full of sin. Um, I will not become God's true child until I'm born again. And I just made that up. So something like that, you know. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so we, you, you are not an automatic child of God when you come into this earth. You are born in sin. And here is a giant difference between Mormonism and Christianity, okay? 
The scriptures prove you need to be born again. And I'm going to give you some really good ones now that describe that. By the way, just to give you some quick humorous insight into my life, which probably is not a good thing to do. The Mormons will say, see, we told you. When I was a kid, they would sing, I am a child of God in primary. And the, the chorus to I am a child of God goes, lead me, guide me, walk beside me, help me find the way, teach me all that I must do, teach me all that I must do to live with him someday. That's the chorus. Well, when they would get to that part, I taught all the boys in our primary class, I would say Italian version. And we would go, a lead a me, a guide a me, a walk a me, a side a me, a help a me, a find the way, a teach a me, a all of that, a I a must a do, a to live a with the him a summer day. And the, and the lady who was leading the music, no Italian version! <laughs> Heavenly Father doesn't understand the Italian version! You must sing the right, you know, you know, I was always constantly doing this kind of stuff in primary. But it didn't affect my testimony. I believed it. I was just having fun. Okay. Uh, it is spiritual rebirth to bring us to become children of God. It is very difficult to be born again or to even understand the concept of rebirth if you believe you are a child of God from the get-go. And the scriptures do not teach that. Next question, what is the process, if any, to spiritual rebirth? I want to give you six passages of scripture to look up and read, and I'm going to read them. And I want you to know that I didn't get these from a concordance or from some book. I, I just gathered these as I left Mormonism, and as I read the Bible and studied the Bible, these popped out to me as showing how the process works of being born again. All right? The first one is Titus 3, 3 through 8. Listen to this and hear the process. For we ourselves were also sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice, and envy, hateful, and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which ye have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration, that means rebirth, and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So it starts off and it says we're sinful. It says we were one time lustful, deceiving, disobedient, foolish. It starts off and puts us in our place. And then the next one, after, it says afterward, God, our Savior, it says God, our Savior, by the way, those of you who don't believe Jesus was God, God, our Savior appeared, okay, in our lives. And not by our righteousness, it says. He appears by the grace, okay? So there's another key to your salvation. And then we're justified by that grace. And then it says, those who believe are careful to maintain good works. So you have, we start here, we're saved, we work. You cannot Work first. You can't work your way into the position. You're saved as a sinner, and then come the good works. Okay, how about another one? John 8, 30 through 32. Jesus said, uh, I mean, it says, And he spake these words, and many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall uh, make you free. The first thing they did was they believed on him. 
the first thing, they had the faith, okay? That's the Jesus experience, okay? And then, to those who believed, he says, now if you continue in my word, you will be my disciples indeed, and then you will know the truth. There is the process again. You believe, you follow, and your truth, how you know truth gets bigger and bigger. Let's go to Colossians 2.6. It's very short. Listen. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. You receive him and you walk in him. It's simple. You don't um, walk in him and then because you've walked in him, you receive him. You receive him and then you start learning to walk in him. It's pretty simple. All right, how about a few concepts that perfectly illustrate this process in the word? In John 10, 1 through 18, Jesus gives a parable. And in this parable, he says, I'm the door and, and you cannot enter heaven unless you go through this door. Okay? And then he also says, I am the shepherd of the sheep that go through that door. And I will bring these sheep to pasture. So he talks about a door that the shepherd leads the sheep through, and he says he's the door. And then he talks about a shepherd that leads the sheep that have come through the door, and he is the shepherd too. How is that possible? It's very simple. The door is salvation. It says if you, when you enter through the door, you are saved. Okay, you go through him. It's the only way to be saved. And then once you've entered through that door, you then follow the shepherd. That becomes the guide of your life. It's a two-part process. Again, speaking of spiritual rebirth. Okay, and we won't go to the Luke 15 one for our graphic operators because of time. But Luke 15 is a great, it's the parables where Jesus says, they say, why do you eat with sinners? And Jesus says, well, I eat with sinners. Let me tell you three stories. And he gives the parable of the lost sheep. He gives the parable of the lost coin. And he gives the parable of the um, prodigal son. All right? The sheep loses itself. The sheep goes off on its own, just like you and I have. We are all sinners and have gone astray, like sheep. And we all go, and he goes out and he finds us. That's spiritual rebirth. God finds you and he changes your life. You don't do it. The parable of the lost coin, the coin didn't get up and lose itself. The coin was lost through some, by some error, by some negligence. And that coin is then found by the woman in the house. And that talks about us and the process we go through once we have salvation. Okay? Third question, how do you know you are born again? I watched a mother duck not long ago. This is one of those experiences. I don't know if it's worth anything to you, but it meant something to me. And I watched five little tiny ducklings following her. And they walked in perfect order, and she stopped, and they came to her, and then they hopped up on this rock, and they all went behind in these bushes, and then she went ahead of them and, and led them, and I just watched them for a minute, as long as I could see them. And the thought occurred to me, the only way for those little ducklings to know what that mother duck uh, said was for them to be of her and know her language and absolutely trust her, all right? When you want to know if you've been born again, you will not speak the language or understand what Christians are saying about Jesus until that happens. You can have an intellectual assessment, but you literally have to change from almost being a person to being a duck, from almost being a person that you are to being a Christian. The language and the metaphysics are so different that when you say, well, I think I'm born again, but I'm not sure, it literally will transfer that way to you in the end. Might, might not immediately, but you will literally speak a different language. And when people talk about rebirth and things and Jesus and what it means to you and your salvation, when you start speaking that language, you'll know you're born again. Another way to know that you're born again is read the scriptures. Galatians 5.22 says, 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Very few of those things have to do with outward works that you need to accomplish. None of those things have to do with attending and doing any types of rites or rituals. The fruit of the Spirit, meaning you're born again, comes when you naturally, through God, become full of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Okay? And finally, Ephesians 6, 6 says, Not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as a servant of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. When you are truly born again, the things you will do for Christ will be from your heart. Not because you want to earn points, not because you want to do anything so you can be seen of men, but it will be from a new heart that he's put inside you. Finally, can a Christian lose their salvation? I'm going to speak on how I've been taught and what I believe. I don't believe new Christians can lose their salvation. I think new Christians are babes in Christ and are subject to failings. I think that they will fall and they'll make mistakes. And, they, and that's God's decision on who's new and who's not. Who's a babe in Christ and who's mature in the word, okay? But I do believe that the mature Christian, the Bible tends to say yes. That when you have left being a babe in Christ and you know so much, that I think the Bible supports that yes, you can lose that salvation. Let me read in conclusion Hebrews 10, 26 through 29. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment Suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot of the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified and holy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. We cannot lose our salvation when we abide in Christ. I don't want to put a burden on anybody because I believe there's liberty in being a Christian. But I don't believe that when you are a mature Christian, you can suddenly just take on your will and your ways again and stand firm in what God has given you. That's something that might stir something up. Jesus did tell Nicodemus, you must be born again. I've given you plenty of basis to see this is a viable request. The purpose of our ministry has always been to help Latter-day Saints experience spiritual rebirth and let God decide once that happens in your heart, what you do with your religion. I challenge you tonight, especially callers, that if you want to come to know the Lord, that you can go into your room and you can talk to the Lord and you can ask him for forgiveness to take over your life, to give you a new heart and to be the Lord of your life. If you want help doing that, call the show tonight. Let's make this a night where if you've been, you don't know that you can do it or you don't feel like you're qualified to do it for some reason, you want someone to help you. Let's use tonight as your starting point to test this. Take it before the Lord and give it to him. It does happen in your life as you trust him. So let's open up the phone lines, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. We have Tom in Provo on line one. Tom, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, what's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Hey, I got a question and a comment. Yeah. Um, first, my question 
a few weeks ago, you made a comment about Bruce R. McConkie, I believe it was, something about him at the Marriott Center having to do with Mormons not worshiping Jesus Christ. Can you give me some information on that? Yeah, I gave, a, I, uh, gave that last year in 2006 on one of the shows when I talked about worshiping Jesus, and I quoted from a speech that he gave, I believe it was in 1982, and um, I just took some snippets from that. It wasn't completely contextual, but I know that he said verbatim, we do not worship Jesus Christ. That's a verbatim comment. Whether taken in context or not, I, um, I didn't understand it when I heard it then, and I, and I certainly don't understand it now. Right on. Okay, I was just curious about that. But it's um, a, you can get it on the BYU archives, and I think it's about worshiping the Father, and it's Bruce R. McConkie, 1982, at the Marriott Center at BYU campus. Cool, man. Hey, uh, yeah. I don't know if you remember me. I was the guy uh, your daughter wanted to know how old I was. Oh, gosh, that just terrifies me like you can't believe. Which daughter? Hopefully not my 14-year-old. No, no, no. It was at hard, hard, uh, hard at the Park. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I know who you are. All right. And You're I, that handsome kid. I, right. I was telling you I had that LDS girlfriend. Right. Well, just so you know, she's slowly but surely come to know the Lord. And, uh, you know, it just it honestly, like, brings tears to my eyes just to see that happen and see God work through people like you and me. And, um, you know, I use some of your stuff just to give her some ideas and examples. So I appreciate you, and God is good, and I, I love to see what's going on, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to come in there and see you soon, I promise. All right, Tom. Thanks so much, and God bless you. We'll pray for your, your – what's her name? Her name is Desiree. Desiree. Oh, you know what? Okay, Desiree. We'll, we'll, we'll pray for that. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Okay, thanks a lot, Tom. Bye-bye. Bye. We're going to Paul, first-time caller from West Valley. Paul, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello, Sean. Hello, Paul. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. How are you? Hey, doing good. Hey, I've watched your shows since they come on, and I finally decided to call you. Awesome. And it's not a deep theological or doctrinal, you know, thing that's kind of weighing on my heart. That's okay. But it's something I've been thinking about. Uh, in your opinion, how come the modern-day LDS Church has not been willing to step forward and accept uh, more responsibility for this terrible, despicable, you know, practice of polygamy? How, how come they've just sat back in the foreground and always denounced all these other... Uh, offshoots of the Mormon Church, but, you know, I, I would think they would be the ones that could really do some good and help some of the people out of some of these terrible situations, and, and it just really bugs me that they couldn't come out and be honest about it and accept some of that responsibility, and I just wanted to kind of hear your take on that, and well, Paul, it's a, it's a great question, I, and like you said, it's my opinion and my take, but my take is this. Um, they've changed some things. They've changed the blacks and the priesthood policy, and they've changed other things, but if they change polygamy, if they take out 132, uh, yeah. it was just such an important part. It was a backbone of so much of their history that they would almost have to admit that Joseph Smith was... In, at the very least, a fallen prophet, if not a charlatan. Yeah, well, 
you know, beyond all that, you know, it, it, you would you would just think that it would just be, uh, you know, being a good human. You'd think. You know, to help some of these people come out of those terrible lifestyles. Yeah, it would be great if Gordon B. Hinckley, you know, just got up in conference and said, with tears, if he felt that or whatever, we have done such a disservice to women and men in our church through the exactly. practice of polygamy. We have made a mistake. It was wrong. We are sorry. I mean, just say that. No, they won't. You know, and I've had a really great opportunity to meet some people who were raised in polygamy. In fact, last week, in fact, they're here in our studio audience and uh, talking to them and just about, uh, they really do follow Mormonism. I mean, yeah. they really do. They yeah, follow the Doctrine they, and Covenants. They do. I've often thought that if I lived back then, I probably would have went with one of those offshoot groups. Yeah. You know, but yeah. anyway, I just kind of wanted your opinion on that. That's it. It's a great call. Thanks so much, Paul. Hey, thank you, and keep up the good work, and God bless. God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. We're going to Andrea in West Valley. Andrea, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi. Um, can... I want to tell you about the end of the world, you know, and where the peace treaty is going to be signed, and they already are building the temple. Temple? You know? On Mount Moriah? The temple? Uh, they're already building it, are they? Yeah. I, I didn't know that. I, I, I didn't know they, did, they were doing that, but that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, and the peace treaty is really ready to be signed, so it could be signed any minute, and I'm planning on being raptured. And that's the rapture is going to happen when you when the peace treaty is signed, probably or maybe after. Okay, and where where are you learning all this, Andrea? Well, uh, mostly from the Bible. Who's teaching it to you? Are you just reading it yourself? Yeah. You, you go to church? Yeah. Where do you go? I still go to Calvary. You go to Calvary at Salt Lake City? Yeah. Okay. Well, good points, Andrea. Thank you so much. Oh, one more. What's that? Um, the mark will happen after, and then after, is this right? Um, like probably after the mark and stuff, that they will be caught, everybody else will be caught up together with us. You're, you're talking about pre-trib and post-trib and, and mid-trib and all that stuff. And if you're from going to Calvary Chapel, they're usually a pre-trib. And so what they believe is that Jesus will come and take his bride, the church, up in the rapture, and then the tribulation will begin, and the mark of the beast that people are asked to take up, not the mark of the beast, the mark that people are asked to take upon themselves, it will happen after the rapture. Oh. Okay, that's, that's called pre-trib, and that's, I'm sure that's what Pastor Terry Long teaches at Calvary. Uh-huh. Okay? Okay. All right, you, thanks for calling. Thanks, bye. Bye-bye. Oh, Andrea, she's, she's persistent. She's gotten through like three times. I have people say they call all day and can't get through. And there's Andrea. Must be a reason for that. Gail and Roy. Gail, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi, Gail. I wanted to back you up on Can You Lose Your Salvation. Okay. Go to Matthew 12, verses 30 through 33. Okay. Those. I'll let you read it. Matthew 12, 30 through 33. Uh-huh. Okay, it says, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, 
all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto you, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be given, forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. Okay. Excellent. All right. I just wanted to share that with you. Thanks so much, Gail. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Add that to your list. Check that out. Study those verses. Don't listen to me as far as how I've interpreted them. Don't anything. Take them and read them and ask the Lord to show you. He's the one who will do the changing. All right, but just open it up to him and see. Take the test. All right, let's go to Rodney from Utah on line four. Ro Rodney, you need to turn your TV off. Yeah. Rodney? Yeah. You got to turn your TV off. You're on the air, Rodney. Huh? You're on the air. Yeah. You're on the air. Oh, am I? Yeah. My, my question is, um, I understand there, there's a whole bunch of gay Mormons. Is that true? Are they still part of the church, or have they been kicked out too, like the polygamists have? Last time I counted, as far as a whole bunch, let's see. Yeah. Um, I have no idea if there's a whole bunch of gay Mormons or not. I mean, it seems like homosexuality is in throughout all parts of the world, and I'm sure they don't, they don't have more or less. I'm sure they have an equal number percentage-wise of Mormons as they do other uh, religious groups that call themselves Christian that aren't. But, oh boy, why did I handle that one badly? Anyway, uh, but I know that uh, homosexuality is not embraced in Mormonism, and I know they will excommunicate you for practicing it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they still stand by that, and they still will excommunicate you for practicing homosexuality. Oh, okay, because I was under the impression that they did like some little ceremony or something at the temple and had tried to change you. No, uh, no, no uh, temple, homosexual temple changing ceremonies last time I went, but then again, I'm not homosexual, so maybe they didn't invite me into that room. Oh, okay. All right, thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Okay, bye. I love questions like that. They just, they humor me so much. All right, Jason uh, from North Salt Lake City on line one. Jason, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? Oh, good. Hey, do you remember a several, well, back several years ago where astronomers, astronomers or whatever, they found that explosion of that planet, remember, this big old picture. I don't know if you remember that or anything like that. No. Um, do, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Were like where they were supposedly another universe is being created. Oh, I've heard things like that, but no, I didn't personally. I don't personally remember that. There's pictures of it. You can probably go on the internet and find it. Anyways, I was wondering what Mormon prophet is creating that planet. You know what I mean? Because they believe they're going to go and create planets. How the universe is expanding. Yeah. I just another thing. <laughs> another thing, really quick, is this. This is serious. Number one. Okay, um, if God created the world in six days like the Bible says, yeah. is it his time or our time? Because it'd be 6,000 years or 6 million years. I mean, his time is way, way, way slow. And our time is like way faster than his, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the thing. And another thing is, I talked to two missionaries the other day, and you know what? They said that Cain survived. 
that he, you know what he is? This is a bunch of garbage. Now they're saying he's Bigfoot. Can you, yeah, for real. They're saying he's Bigfoot. I know. I know they say that. This is garbage. And I, really quick, this is a serious one. Really, 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 really quick. Dude, Revelations. I don't know what chapter it is. I don't know what chapter it is, but no preacher will talk about it. It talks about a great nation that uh, is cast down by an angel that throws a rock. You know what I mean? I think it's chapter 11 or 12. I can't remember. And the lady rides the dragon or something. It says, whore of all, ba- of all nations of Babylon or whatever. It's not, you're talking about Revelation? Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what chapter it is. The throwing the rock down I don't know about, but the whore of Babylon and, and that I know about. If you go and read the whole entire thing, it sounds like the United States of America. We're not the eagle and the bear or whatever. Like The eagle and the bear was a long time ago. Syria, Egypt. Uh, Rome and uh, Iraq, Babylon, re-rise again. Look at the war that's going over in Iraq. We're probably going to rebuild Iraq City when they become democracy, so it will rise back up. Jason, I, huh? excellent comments. A lot of uh, just a veritable potpourri of information from you. I know. Thank you so much. I look forward to meeting you someday. A joke real quick, real quick, and that's it. Okay. Okay, next time missionaries or any Mormon guys make you mad, you just tell them, who got your holy underwear in a bunch? I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Oh, uh, he was funny. Um, there was one thing that he said that was, oh, the Cain thing. Yeah, they believe that Cain still exists. And uh, that he said that the missionaries told him that he was Bigfoot. And, and really, they believe that Cain is Bigfoot. And he's, it's like that, that film, you know, where he's wandering through the thing. And that's Cain, bummed out like mad covered with hair because he's been around for so long and just can't die because that's part of the curse. Um, takes me back to the imagery of my youth, those primary days where we just wondered where he was during the flood, you know, sitting down there at the bottom of the ocean. This is such a bummer. Okay, let's go to Andy on line three. Andy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing well, Andy. How are you? Um, I'll get straight to the point and make this short. Okay. Um, I've been going down uh, pastor in the pub for a little bit, so you've seen me there. Oh, yeah. And How are you? This is really the issue. I mean, when I was full LDS, you know, I heard all the stories people tell, their spiritual experiences, and and how, you know, the Mormons, when you're talking about saving America, saving Israel, saving the world, and this is my generation being the generation that see Christ and will march forth triumphantly. Andy, talk really loud, because we're having trouble hearing you. All right. Um about Mormons saving the world, saving America, saving all this stuff in Israel, and yeah. my generation marching forth triumphantly, being the leaders of war in heaven or whatever. Right. And I really took that to heart, because I'm just not the kind of person who likes to sit on the fence. Right. And it messed things up for a while, and then I left the church, and I wouldn't dare step into a Christian church, and now I'm coming down here, and I just got to know that I'm not falling into... Um, uh, you know, just, just some just mm-hmm. feelings because of being in a group or something. They're not an- falling an- into the same thing. Another movement? Another movement? You don't want to belong to another group that's misleading you like you were before? Yeah, or mm-hmm. as I put it, you know, group hallucination or delusion, whatever. Having a spiritual experience or, sp- or feeling because everybody else is having it and I don't want to be left out, that kind of psychology. Yeah, well, let me tell you something, Andy. The pastor in the pub is really strictly a, a place of fellowship and for people to get together and talk. And we have a lot, people of a lot of different views there. 
where you're going to find protection from that kind of thing, being abused by some wacko leader, is by your relationship with God. You on your knees, or you in your room, or you in the car, talking to God and then reading the Word. Those two things combined, hearing the Word preached, reading the Word, anything to do with the Bible, and then uh, praying is going to protect you from being taken from the hands of the shepherd. So just keep going with your study and with praying and trusting God. Don't trust me. Don't trust the guy sitting next to you at squatters who's telling you that the moon is made of cheese because they're down there too. Just trust the Lord and his word. Okay. All right, my brother? All right. All right, thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. We're going to Johnny in Mapleton. Johnny, you're on Heart of the Matter. Johnny? Sean, how we doing? Hey, we are doing well. I had to mute my TV there. Hey, I uh, just had a, a comment on the polygamy. Yes. Um, I was reading the paper, uh, the small-town paper here this week, and uh, a guy had passed away. But in the obituary, it, it listed how he was uh, married and his first wife died, and then he got married again and was still to this, this next lady. You know, he's married in the temple the first time. So, you know, the polygamy is just alive and well and, and thriving with, with the Mormonism. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing, you know. They, they say they've renounced it and they don't practice it anymore, but, but they're, you know, the, the Mormonism is, is still all about it. And it's alive and well in their hearts, even if it's, you know, you're talking about the practice of it spiritually. It's still in the Doctrine and Covenants, but it's alive and well in the men's hearts for the future. I, would, I wish there was somehow that we could take a, a, an arena and fill it with all the male members of the LDS Church who thought they were alone and just have the prophets say, Brethren, how many of you look forward or believe that you will practice plural marriage after this life and to see the hands go up? They believe it. They look forward to it. They can't wait to experience it. And uh, the more faithful they are on this earth, the more of a chance they're going to have at doing it. So I just wish they would be honest, you know. Yeah, no, no kid, because it's so sad because most of the men, you know, they're, they're pretty good people. Yeah. And, and the Mormonism just kind of twists everything and, and makes them think it's okay and it's, it, and it's a good thing to do. when it, it's, it's just a, a terrible practice. And, and, and you're right, like you said earlier, they just need to shut it down, renounce it, say we were wrong. You know, no more spiritual marriages. It's, it's just, just... Yeah. So Cut that spiritual marriage out first. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Really good point, Johnny. Okay. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, now. See you later. Bye-bye. Okay. We're going to Melissa in Seattle, a first-time caller. Melissa, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi. How are you? Fine. I've been watching your shows from the beginning. Wow. And um, on the Internet, though, so I'm not watching your live show at the moment. Uh -huh. Might be off topic, but I have a general question. Yes, ma'am. At the beginning, you wanted people to ask Jesus into their hearts, and whether they stayed LDS or not um, was a secondary matter. I just wanted to know if you believe that Latter-day Saints can be transformed by Jesus and be born again and saved and stay LDS for family and cultural reasons, or if you feel that Jesus will eventually lead them out of the church. Uh, in my own personal experience, I was saved uh, radically as a member of the LDS Church, believing in the LDS concepts of God and Jesus and pre-mortal existence and most everything. 
I had trouble with a lot of uh, my own things, but I was born again at the side of the road as an Latter active Latter-day Saint, and I didn't leave it for four years. So in answer to your question, I do know at least one person who was born again as a Latter-day Saint. Um, the other part of the question is, I do believe as they continue to sit there and listen to what is being taught, how it's being taught, and how Jesus is not spoken of, that new spirit, that new heart can't stand it for very long. And in the end, they will leave. The, hopefully, as this occurs, the LDS Church will start to say, you know, we need to do something, and they'll wake up and they'll make some changes that will bring their people to Jesus, worshiping Him and Him alone, and throwing all the rites and rituals and expectations necessary for exaltation out the, out the window. Does that help, Melissa? Yes. Thank you very much. For you're, your you're welcome. Thanks for watching. Tell your friends. Thank you. I will. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to Laura, first-time caller in Highland. Laura, you're on Heart of the Matter. Someone, how are you tonight? It's, uh, it's Laura Saladiki. Hey, how you doing, Laura? I'm doing really good. I, today's our anniversary, but we went out early so we could come home and catch the show. I'm but, honored. Um, I just wanted to let you know that I think that what you're talking about tonight is probably one of the most important topics that you've ever covered on the show, and I am grateful to hear you say it. I was born again myself about two years ago and just had a couple of comments for people. Um, oh, good. Well, you're not going to feel any burning in your bosom or any, you know, weird sensations emotionally. You may not feel anything, but God has promised that he will come into your heart and indwell you, and, and he keeps his promise, and that was my experience. And then the second thing is one of the ways that I knew I was born again is I, I developed a, a, a voracious hunger for the Word. I wanted to find out everything that God had to tell me, and I think that it's important to emphasize that to people because the fellow that called earlier and didn't want to be caught up in another movement or some other person, you know, telling him something and carry him, carry him away from, from the truth, if he grounds himself in the Word, that cannot happen. You were right. And people need to do that. And it's important to talk to God and pray and all that. I'm for that. But God yep. established truth once for everybody, and it's in that book. And we have to, we have to keep ourselves grounded in that. So you, that's my comment. You can probably tell a uh, viewing audience that uh, I know Laura, and I've, uh, she and her husband are great supporters of the show and uh, totally uh, supporters of the word, what she's saying here, and it's so true. You can have this experience. You can have your entire life connected to God as though he were your father in your own home. That's how close you will be to him if you just open up and, and do this and then follow up with the word. It's a great call, Laura. Okay, Sean, keep up the great work. We're behind you 100%. Thanks so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to Peter, first-time caller. Peter from Salt Lake City. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Um, I actually have a question for you. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, the question is, is that I'm actually a recent convert of the church, okay. and I, the more and more I um, learn about the church, I begin to realize some of the things are not true about what some of the missionaries had taught me. Right. Well, my question is, is about Joseph Smith. How long did uh, Joseph Smith start performing seal or seal people um, or families in the temple, like where in his prophecy, or, you know. In, uh, as far as the very first wife, Fanny Alger, 
we, uh, Todd Compton, who's an LDS writer, uh, says that it was probably 1833 to 1834. And uh, she was a teenager who lived with him. And then he picked up another wife shortly thereafter. I think it was Beeman at that time. I could have the names wrong. And then after that, he went for a period of not picking up any. They suspect it was because people were starting to question his relationship with these other women, including his own wife, who didn't know about them. And then about uh, seven years later, he started piling them on like cordwood in the backyard. And uh, he picked up another uh, 31. And his own secretary said that's all he could talk about the last year of his life. So it was, it was uh, a couple and then a period of time of none and then uh, went kind of crazy with it. And the sealings, as far as being sealed to him, started in Kirtland, Ohio, and continued on in Nauvoo. Um, if you watch our uh, past three shows, Polygamy 1, 2, and 3, on the Internet, um, you can get a really a more comprehensive examination of those dates and times. Hopefully that will help you, though. All right, my brother Peter. Hey, Peter, I'd love to talk with you sometime. I'm in town quite often. Go to our website, email me. I'd love to sit down with you. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. The lines are full, but I have nothing on the mic o'clock, so let me read uh, email really quickly. I was raised LDS and now read the Bible and go to a Lutheran church. I think I'm born again. Do I need to be baptized again now that I'm not LDS? Could you give an answer on your program tonight, Kathy B.? Um, I, it's funny, for those of you who don't know the history of the show, but when I first started the show, someone called and said, Sean, have you been baptized? And I hadn't. I was so against anything that was churchy that I was like, no. And so I was in the middle of a school of ministry at that time, and I started talking to the dean of the school, and, and I decided that it would be scripturally the thing I am supposed to do. So I stepped forward, and, and, and I wanted to make a public profession of my inward faith for Jesus and was baptized. And I have to tell you, uh, Kathy, it, it added spiritual strength and insight to, to my life that I never would have believed possible where I was getting rote ordina uh, ordinations throughout my life in a church for these certain um, times. When I was baptized because of Jesus in my life and I wanted to make a public profession of my faith, it changed me even more. So I would strongly suggest that you get baptized and you do that as a uh, public profession of your faith. So there's an answer to that. Let's go to... Alex, who says, send an article from the KSL News Today online, Utah last in nation when it comes to aid for the poor. Uh, you can check that out on KSL's website, and it says that per, uh, on scale, Utah is lowest in the nation. I guess Alex was uh, just making a point there. We have Cindy, a Christian, who says that the Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth, a nice acronym. I'm sure that's in there somewhere. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Uh, and, but thank you, Cindy, from Plain City for that. And uh, we have Laureen and Provo. We have three minutes, two emails. We'll go to Laureen and Provo on line two. Laureen, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, I'm on Heart of the Matter. That's crazy. You're on, and it's crazy. What's happening? Um, I just had a kind of a comment, I guess. Okay. Is it Laureen? It's Lauren. Lauren, sorry. Um, can you, uh, can you uh, give it to us quick because you've only got two minutes. Oh, yeah. I was just uh, 
scripture out of the Bible about how Mormons, uh, you know, believe in the law and stuff like that. And I just had a real quick, real quick, quick scripture because before that, okay, is um, Galatians two fifteen, okay, or rather two sixteen. Know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ just that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one can be justified. Lauren. Yeah. That is an excellent scripture. Thank you so much for calling and sharing that with us. Hey, no problem. All right, God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. We're going to go to John, first-time caller in Orem. John, you have one minute. Hey, buddy. Hey. Uh, this is John, the stonecutter. Hey, John, how you doing? Hey, good. Hey, I just wanted to call and let you know uh, my wife and I got baptized a week ago. Woo! And, uh, We're LDS, now Christian. Hey, um, I had a quote real quick from Brother McConkey, one of my old favorite apostles. Okay. We got time. You got 50 seconds. All right. He said, I'm well aware that some of you who have prayed for endless hours feel that you have a special, special and personal relationship with Christ that you have never had before. I wonder if this is any or much different, however, than the feelings of those fanatical sectarians who with glassy eyes and fiery tongues feel they have been saved by grace. Um, wow. I think I'm one of those glassy-eyed, <laughs> crazy, saved by, by grace people now, oh. buddy. Oh, awesome, John. What a great quote. Thank you for sharing that. And I joined the glassy-eyed, crazy fanatics, and I think most of the people in our audience do too. At least they look glassy-eyed and fanatical. So uh, really great quote, John. Congratulations. God bless you and your wife. That's so exciting. Yeah, we're happy, buddy. All right, Stonecutter, I'll talk to you. Hey, thanks for your help along the way. You're welcome. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What a great story. He went to Christ Evangelical Church, watched the show, Came to know uh, the Lord through Pastor Scott McKinney and other people in that congregation and uh, just tapped into the vine. And now his wife, who was uh, uh, LDS, is now also part of the body of Christ. That's what the show, the ministry, has always been about. And uh, we just praise God for that. Listen, if you, wanna, uh, if you don't have a home church, understand that. I preface it. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a place to learn the Bible, come join us at Lord's Word Sunday mornings at the Gateway Theaters at 9.15 a.m. to 10.15 a.m. or at the University of Utah Sunday evenings. You can go to www.lordsword.org and get directions and times if you can't remember them from here. We love you all, LDS Christian everybody. We pray Jesus in your life. See you next week.